thank you. Thankful for uh, our worship team for leading us. Thankful for children's ministry as they take off. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. If you do not have a Bible, say this every Sunday. We'll say it every Sunday. There's one table in the back. You're welcome to take it, and you're welcome to take it home. We'd love to give you a Bible. Psalm 89. Uh, Today we're doing something different. Last week we ended uh, a series uh, after Easter that we called A New. Next week we start a summer series that we're calling How We Are Saved. And today we're doing uh, just a simple, call it a standalone by itself, so it's not in a series. But it is connected to Rise With God. Rise With God being our Bible reading plan that we're going to do this year, and we're going to also do it next year to read through the Bible. And that ties to one of the pillars of this church that we call See a Big God. See a Big God. Because uh, I can say that, but I think one of our problems, one of, just our problem as a human being, uh, but also a problem in the, in the life and place that we can live, is that we don't see a big God. Uh, and we certainly may not see a big God in the Bible. A lot of folks that I talk to that are trying to find God or feel like they have found God, often they'll see a big God, but it'll be like at the beach, you know, or in the mountains, or uh, on a deer stand, or like yesterday, I mean, I, I love baseball, so baseball tournament, and you know, kid gets a good hit, and you just, I mean, you see God, you know, I mean, he's just working right there. But we don't see a big God as much in the Bible. We're like, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you've been following with our Rise with God plan, the last month, I mean, we've, we've been hitting Leviticus and Numbers. And there is a big God in there. But a lot of folks would say, I don't see him through all of that. He's there. So we want to see a big God. And one of our problems is we see bigness in other things. Uh, we will be like, uh, we'll see a big me. As in we'll think, hey, I can do that and, and get, uh, get believing in self-help or that we're so great in what we have that has been given to us by God. So we'll see a big me or we'll see a big problem or we'll see a big person that, that we're like, you know, I don't know if we'll ever connect or I don't know if that relationship will ever be healed. We'll see a big devil before we see a big God. So we have this, this issue that, that I think people, and myself included, often we, we just don't see a big God. And here as the church, as we sang about and as I talked a little bit about, uh, we want to speak and proclaim and try to point and show a big God in his word. Another problem we have is that we have a lot of questions. Uh, questions about God, questions about life. I talked about it earlier I know a lot of folks in the past and in the present uh, who have been angry with God for their lot in life or what they're going through. And it's not a question of believing or disbelieving. It's a question of why. Why, God? And they're mad or they're angry or they're bitter. I heard this quote. I actually saw it on Twitter. I don't know who said it, but bitterness has no future. Really simple, in my opinion. Really, bitterness has no future. So true. 
But there are folks who have these questions and then questions about life. And so being the season of graduation and, and we had several uh, youth graduate, which was awesome and celebratory, but I floated around to several uh, graduations and uh, they were all good, uh, good speakers, inspiring but many of them, and I also have this habit of listening to collegiate graduation speeches as well, but, but many of them had this, this same uh, train of thought, which basically said the answers to life are in the questioning. And many folks would say that there is no truth, or there is no real answer, but it is in the questioning, in the searching, in the discerning in the, in the pushing through of life that that's the answer. I don't know if that sounds familiar to some of you, but it's a, uh, I, th- I think it's a very familiar theme for um, a lot of folks. I think a lot of folks believe that. A lot of schools teach that. A lot of great schools teach that. That the answers to life are found in the questions, and there really is no true answer, and there's really no ultimate truth. And just keep questioning and digging and searching, and you'll find yourself. Does that sound familiar to everybody? If it sounds familiar, would you say amen? amen? Okay, so it does for some. Okay, so I'm not alone. Now, I'm here to say, and this has been life-changing because part of my life, I kind of believed that. But now, I totally believe that there's a big God in the Bible, and I believe the plan for not just your life, but for history, all of history, eternal history, past, present, future to come, is found in the Bible. And actually, the psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 89, uh, I believe, uh, shows that plan. And it's a plan for your life, and it's also a plan for history. Psalm 89. I chose Psalm 89. You, you might be like, now that wasn't the reading today. I think we're on Psalm 84. But we will be reading Psalm 89 this week, so I skipped ahead and chose Psalm 89. I will say it's one of my, my favorite psalms, and here to give you a little context. Uh, one reason, a couple years ago I came across it, although I've read it, Apparently, it was the favorite psalm of this guy named Charles Spurgeon. Anybody know who Charles Spurgeon is? I know Neil does. Okay, anybody besides Neil? Charles Spurgeon? Okay, few folks. Charles Spurgeon was, he was the first guy who really was like, and and we have more of them now, and uh, there's debate about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but he was really the first known, you could argue this, but really the first famous preacher. Uh, in the 1800s, he pastored this church. He preached in London. Uh, his church, uh, it, it grew. And Spurgeon was, uh, is interesting, he's a very gregarious man. He uh, is a big man. Um, you may not want to know this. or it, Interesting fact, he loves cigars. Uh, I, I don't like cigars, but he, uh, he said, he, he was like, when are you going to quit uh, smoking cigars? He's like, I might quit smoking one at a time. I might pick up two at a time. Anyway, he loves cigars. <laughs> True statement. He loves cigars. And uh, he also, interestingly, battled depression, like big time. So just think about that. You know, this, this famous preacher, uh, gifted by God, and battled depression his whole life. Psalm 89 was his favorite psalm. He preached a famous sermon about Psalm 89. So I got uh, connected with it, and actually, if, I don't know if it says this in your Bible, but it says at the beginning, it says a psalm of Ethan the Ezraite. And some of you may be like, well, I thought David wrote all the Psalms. And there is a, let me give you a thought, okay, so this is not, again, my opinion, but just doing some reading on this. David wrote the majority of Psalms, and then David had like a choir, if that makes sense. 
and people who were connected to him, musicians. And this guy, Ethan, uh, was one of David's right-hand men, worship leaders. And there's this belief that Ethan uh, and David wrote this psalm. Obviously, I like the name Ethan. Uh, I thought about this psalm uh, in the whole name process, all that pressure. You know, what's the name? And, and Ethan is a, uh, it's a biblical Hebrew name. So anyway, written by Ethan, and that's some context. But I believe this psalm does show a lot. There's a reason that uh, this psalm has become uh, famous because I do think there is, uh, uh, it shows the overarching plan of God. Actually, I was reading it, and I think there are five Ps. So if you're taking notes, making it easy, five Ps for you. I think this psalm shows the power of God. I think this psalm shows the plan of God for life, for everything, ultimate truth. If you're looking for the answer, I think this psalm had the plan of God. I think the psalm shows the purpose of God. The psalm shows the people of God. And finally, a prayer to God. Five Ps. So just make it simple. It's a long psalm. We won't read it all, but we're going to start in verse 1 and begin with the psalm showing the power of God. Talk about seeing a big God, the power of God, the truth that's in the Bible that we are bearing witness to. First off, verse 1. It says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Let me just stop there. I thought about that verse as reading it this week. To all generations, uh, we are trying to do that this week with VBS, Vacation Bible School, to, uh, to make known the Lord's faithfulness to another generation. But then it goes on and shows, I think, the, uh, the mighty power of God. He begins here. Skip down to verse 5. He says, Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to be reading the psalm or the verses that we read slowly because it's, it's very easy, and I found myself doing this in the rise of God and reading a psalm a day, is you can just kind of just rush through the psalms like, yeah, 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 you know, and get through it, and you've done the reading for the day. But if you read the psalms slowly, uh, there, there's a richness and there's a depth there that I believe is very profound. So here we're talking about the power of God, and he says, who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Look at this, who among the heavenly beings... Now, if you're, you're like me, you're like, who are the heavenly beings? And then look at this. It's like, a God greatly be feared in the council of the holy ones. And I'm like, who's, who's the council of the holy ones? So to so give you a little information also about the power of God. And we, we looked at this, if you were in our Wednesday night study last year, we talked a lot about this in the book of Job. Same thing, because it talked about the holy council of God. There, was, uh, there is this belief and this thinking that there was a... There, there was like a council of God and, and a hierarchy of angelic beings, okay? Which Lucifer, Lucifer was one of them. Who did Lucifer become? Anybody? Anybody? Satan, okay? And Lucifer fell. But there was this holy council and that God was above this. We looked at this in the book of Job. I believe that it's talking about this here. So he's looking back. God has given by the Holy Spirit the psalmist a view and into this holy council. How awesome above all are those around him. So the power of God, 
Then it moves from heaven, look at this, to earth. See the power of God? So the whole universe, the heavens, but he comes down to the earth. You rule the raging of the sea. Some of our brothers and sisters are lucky enough to be by the sea. Who rules the sea? God rules the sea, the power of God. Then look, it says, the heavens are yours, verse 11. The earth also is yours, the world and all that is in it. You have founded them. The north and south, you have created them. Tabor and Herman joyously praise your name. That's not our brother in this church, Tabor. Those y'all, but it is it. Tabor was a mountain. Interesting. Our brother in the church and I have talked about this biblical name, but it was a mountain. So he's talking about the mountains of God. And then look at verse fourteen. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. So when we're talking about the power of God, attributes are righteousness or the way to live right. Justice, steadfast love, faithfulness. We sang about it, if you remember, a few minutes back. Forever God is faithful. These are attributes of the power of God. So he begins this psalm and and just the, the awesome power, cosmically in the heavens, on the earth, and personally. Righteousness, justice, love, faithfulness for your life. The power of God. But then the psalmist goes into a specific plan that God has. The plan. The plan of God. You're like, what's the plan of God? It's this question of, I don't know if you ever asked, you know, what's the meaning of life? The psalmist shows the plan of God. You probably didn't know you were going to hear that. Come to church today, you're going to find, you're going to find the secret to life. This is it. Psalm 89. Because he gets personal and he starts talking about David. Okay, So pick up Psalm 19. This is the plan of God. We talked about the power of God, now the plan of God. It says, I found David my servant. With holy oil I have anointed him. Verse 20. My hand shall be established with him. My arm shall strengthen him. The enemy will not outwit him. The wicked will not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. Skip to verse 26. He shall cry to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. By the way, give a little Honduras plug, rock of salvation. It's a great church in Honduras, right guys? Right, Rock of salvation, we always go there. He says, you're the rock of my salvation. Verse 27, I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Verse 33, I will not remove my steadfast love. Or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant. Or alter the word that went forth from my lips. He's talking about David. Look and calls him firstborn. Highest of the kings of the earth. He will cry to me. You are my father, my God. The rock of my salvation. So you're like how does the plan of God. The ultimate plan of God and for history. How does it. Why is he saying David? What does it have to do with David? Okay I know David's an Old Testament character. I know you know he wrote the Psalms. I, I know all this but. David, David, well, here's the deal. David was, and here's where the plan really starts, hopefully making sense. David was foreshadowing, big word there, another person. Another person more powerful, more important. His name is Jesus Christ. Okay? So we have here the power of God, and then he starts focusing on a person, and initially it's like David. But then if if you really get into it, and you start reading, some of those words, I don't know if they... Ring familiar to you. Again, you're my father, rock of my salvation. That's David talking to him. 
But he says, with my holy oil, I have anointed him. I will crush his foes before him. I will make him firstborn. Who's the firstborn of all creation? Jesus Christ, the highest of the kings of the earth. I will not remove from him my steadfast love. So this is foreshadowing Jesus Christ. And we can look to it now and receive Jesus Christ, even as we're reading the psalm, as he's not directly talking about Jesus. Or you might say, he, well, hey, the Holy Spirit was directly talking about Jesus, and the writer, Ethan, didn't even know about it. Okay, Which I kind of believe. But now there's a twist, okay? Let's talk about the plan. There's the power of God on the planet. There's a twist here in verse 38. There is a dramatic change. As there was a change in David's life, there was a change in the life, the human life of Jesus, beginning Good Friday or the evening before Good Friday in the morning. Look at this, verse 38. But now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. Look at this, verse 44. You have made his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. So bad news. Bad things. It's very, I find it very interesting. I find it almost fascinating. I mean, the Lord's anointed and then cast down in shame, rejected, renounced, full of wrath against your anointed. What does that sound like? Good Friday? The cross? So let me go back. The power of God, but then the plan of God. And this is the plan of God. God's own Son, the firstborn of all creation, Jesus Christ, who because of Him, everything exists. From your life to Pluto to far beyond. Everything exists. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. And then, as this psalm says, all of God's wrath came upon him. He was rejected and despised by men. And this was the plan of God. John 3, 16. Okay? All those who believe that Jesus got what we deserve and we get what he deserves. Okay? As in like, he got death. We get eternal life. We get life in abundancy. It's called the great exchange. He gets what we deserve. We get what he deserves. And this psalm has it, okay? If you're tracking with me. So we see the plan of God. See the power of God. See the plan of God. Sending his son. And his son taking it. Taking it all. Taking the wrath. Now we would ask, why? And actually, if you're, if you're staying with me, I mean, we've read through most of the psalm. And only two Ps, right? So we've got three to go and not much, not much left. So if you're, if you're counting, we may get out early. Anyway, not that you care, but, you know, just saying. We'll see. Maybe we not. Maybe we won't. The purpose of God, because there's the power and there's a plan, but it has to have a purpose. Like, it has to get, the purpose is personal. Because here's where we start feeling like the weight of life and the problems and like, you know, my family's a wreck or my marriage is a wreck or, you know, I've just gotten divorced or I'm just getting divorced again or, you know, my kids are suffering or my kids' special needs or, you know, I've got this death in the family or I'm hitting bankruptcy or, you know, just pick your poison of life. That has to be a purpose. 
It has to be personal. And this psalm gets personal. So let me start with verse 46. So the power, the plan, and now let's see the purpose of God in this. Verse 46, How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created all the children of man. What man can live and never see death? Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? All that was read before, all that was done before has a purpose. And these couple verses, I believe, show the purpose. One, in verse 46, is God has not hidden himself. He's made himself completely known. God of everything, of your life and of all life, is seen and can be known intimately in Jesus Christ. He's not hidden himself. All, different from all other religions. It's not vague, it's not nebulous, it's a person. He is Jesus Christ. How long will your wrath burn like fire? Well, the wrath of God was taken on Jesus Christ, period. And then, what man can live and never see death? I don't know if that resonates or if that sounds familiar. What man or woman can live and never see death? That man and woman who puts his faith, and I would add his life, in Jesus Christ will not see death. Who can deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Sheol was a place where the dead went. Who can deliver a soul from the power of hell, from the power of death? Jesus Christ. So see, the power of God, the plan of God, but there's a purpose. That death would be defeated. That souls would be saved from everlasting damnation. That souls would be saved to live an eternal life and have an abundant life. And when you really get, and I talked about this last, maybe last week, maybe the whole series of a new, but I did say it specifically last week. When you really get and you believe that, and I do, and I'm not saying everybody here does, and definitely not everybody I know does, but when you really believe that, and I'll say this for me, that I deserve death and hell, and, and for everybody, so all humanity, is deserving of death and hell. When you get that, and then you get life forever and life abundance, I mean, it changes your worldview, the way you see things, the way you interact with people. Uh, you can give grace freely because there's been so much grace given to you. And it, I mean, it changes your life. It really does. So the purpose of God is shown here. And then, then let's get into the last two pieces. A couple verses left. Because there's a purpose of God, but then... If you get the purpose of God, you become the people of God. Because if you get the purpose, you receive Christ. You're, you become a child of God. I did talk about this last week. You're created in the image of God, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're a child of God. You become a child of God when you receive Jesus Christ. You're made in the image of God. That's clear in Genesis 1. When you receive Christ, you become his child. So you're the people of God. So if we're Christian, and hopefully most of us here are, then we're the people of God. And then this verse is... I think it's very much for the present there as the people of God, but it's prophetic for the people of God across all times and generations and nations. Look at what he says. Verse 50. Remember, O Lord, how your servants, that's plural, that's not individual, how your servants are mocked and how I bear in my heart the insults of all the many nations of which your enemies mock, O Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. The anointed would be singular. This is prophetic too, and this is, does not sound good news, but we've already received the greatest news. And here it is. The people of God will be mocked. 
And this psalm said, the people of God will be mocked across all nations, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed, who would be Jesus. Jesus Christ said, no slave is greater, no, excuse me, no servant is greater than his master. Isn't it? We serve Jesus. What did the master get? He got persecuted. Jesus said, in this life you will have tribulation, but have hope, I have overcome the world. So it, it does show prophecy here that the people of God, that's us, like everything may not go well for us in this earthly life. Praise be to God, thanks be to God that this earthly life is, I think is, is not the main act for you theater folks, all of y'all here. It's not the main act. I actually think this life is an, is an internship for life forever. And so there will be some sufferings that we will endure from life, but then for other folks, because if we say, and things that I've just said, that everybody deserves death and hell, most of those graduation speakers that I heard would disagree. That would be their diplomatic answer. You know, the non-diplomatic would be like, man, you are just nuts, okay? And I've gotten into conversations that have been undiplomatic. Now, of course, not my fault. Probably so sometimes. <laughs> but they would say, you know, that just does not make sense. I mean, just, and the way the world is moving, and we see this, and it's not just in, like, news, media, entertainment. I mean, the way the world is moving, like, real Christians, because just newsflash, they're fake Christians too, but real Christians, I mean, they're going to say, man, you're crazy. But what we need to do as the people of God, and I, I say this, is always speak and act in love and in kindness and, and be firm about just what we believe. And we can give a gracious no, and we can give a gracious, you know, I don't believe that, I believe something else. But be firm in, in where we stand. But we kind of got to know that some of that is coming, some of the mocking, some of the, uh, some of the persecution, and this psalm says it. And then the last thing, which is really interesting, even after all that, so this psalmist is written about, you know, how the Lord's anointed one took the wrath and then how the Lord's servants are mocked. And then this last verse, I said the five Ps, the power of God, the plan of God, leads to the purpose of God, shows the people of God, and the people of God give prayers to God. The last verse, just one verse, it says, blessed, after all this, it said, blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. And I'll just ask you all a question. How does, you know, think about that. Think about a person. Maybe they don't have the gifts to write a psalm like this, but they, they go through all this and they close up. And they've experienced persecution. Uh, whether it be death, whether it be uh, problems in a career, whether it be sickness, illness, kids hurt, lost kids, suffering. I mean, again, pick your poison. And they can stand resolutely and say, blessed be the Lord forever. Or just living in this, you know, I talk to people just living in this culture and there's backstabbing and gossiping against you and all this. Like, man, how did I just make my way in all this? And you still say, blessed be the Lord forever. The Lord is sovereign. There are no accidents in Christianity. This life is an internship for life forever. How does that happen? Because it does happen. And I'm seeing it, and I'm trying by the Holy Spirit to live it. But it does happen. God gives the grace. I do think it's, I actually think it starts with a mind. I think you get the penny drops and you get, you know, how much God has done for you 
in Christ. How much you have received, the blessing. And then it melts your heart. And then you begin to obey. The, the Christians, the real Christians, the believing Christians, the kind Christians, the thinking Christians, all of that combined, that's how it's happened. A penny drops their mind, like, and they, they begin to get that they see a big God here. They see the whole plan for life, life everywhere, life everlasting. And then it melts their heart, his grace. And they're like, I'm going to obey and live. Glory be to God. Blessed be his name forever and ever. That's what I want for this church. See a big God. And as we see a big God, we go to neighbors and nations and it changes lives. And I'm not saying everybody's got to be a pastor and missionary, but some do. But others need to be doctors and teachers and accountants and attorneys and artists and musicians and move forward say, I see the world in a different way. And God's given me gifts, and I'm going to use them for his glory forever and ever. So that means not just this earth, through life forever and ever. That's what we move to day by day until the Lord returns. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your power, your plan that has a purpose for all of our lives, and that we can be your people, and we can pray to you. So may our prayers be, regardless of what's going down, blessed be your name. I pray that the penny would drop in the minds of folks and and people would really see and you would melt their hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you've done in lives and in churches and in my life and in this church and look forward to it continuing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.